Hey you guys. So I'm going to be doing a bit of storytelling today and just letting you guys in on my own process and letting you into this, uh, I want to say, ongoing dialogue I have with God. I can recall a handful of moments just off the top of my head where he has specifically pointed out hard-heartedness and uh, I just thought it would be interesting to give a handful of points, but mostly just to use my story as like an everyday application. Um, and I do want to mention Psalms 139, 23 and 24. It's a, obviously a very popular one for this topic. But it says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I remember my first experience truly encountering God for myself and I was about 11 or 12 years old and this was during a season where I was really trying to know God for myself I knew of God I knew the way that I perceived him through other people but I wanted to get to know him for myself and I feel like one of the main things that initiated this whole lifelong process of just doing relationship with him was not just accepting Jesus as a savior but accepting him as Lord also and I feel like in that moment I all of a sudden received conviction for all of the things that I had done wrong in my life like remember I'm like an adolescent at this point 11 12 years old and my mother will tell you I was a relatively bad kid for the most part. There was a season where I was so tough on her, she literally thought I was a punishment. And just, I'd say like normal, well, maybe not normal, just kid stuff. So I was always lying. I was always um, stealing something. I had a very, very bad temper and I was known to be very violent as a kid. I was also very prideful, um, and I, I just wanted to be unique. I wanted to be special. I wanted to be a favorite. I wanted to be the center of attention as a child. And I think, bec I mean, this is kind of like a sideline thought, but I think when I see children showing these like characteristics, I almost have um, a bit of compassion, like seeing like difficult behaviors and stuff, because I understand that there's usually like a deeper need associated with that. Um, so anyway, like back to the point, um, I had this experience with a bunch of other youth and young adults um, as a 12 year old at a conference or retreat. I encountered God. I received this conviction and on that day, I said in my heart, I was like, I don't know you now, but I've encountered you and I want to know you more. When I get home, I'm going to read my Bible because I want to know you. Um, and it's super, super crazy because I want to say almost instantaneously, instantaneously, in the same moment that I received conviction, I, I literally feel like I was a completely new person after that. My mother noticed my siblings noticed and I remember even one conversation where I was just like talking to my brother and sister about the bible and just how to be in our family at the time 
And they literally looked at me and like, they were amazed. They were like, who even are you? And they would bring up all these old things that I used to do and I couldn't remember it. So I think that's something that's um, really unique and really beautiful about going through this process with God because conviction, it truly does give you grace to grow. And in the same moment that the Holy Spirit is pointing out all these things that are flawed or, or evil, he's also calling you to something greater and reminding you that you are a new person and reminding you that you are his. So I'm going to be throwing myself under the bus repetitively with this episode, but I just wanted to bring that part up first. One of the things that I feel like the Holy Spirit is pointing out in me is pride. And I want to talk about the different ways that pride can show up because it's not always simply being overconfident or overzealous or, or, um, or always being like self-seeking. I think pride has a habit of sneaking up in places where people don't expect. And I just want to point out just some quick notes that I had as I was like jotting all this down. But I think pride is any thought that you have that you are more deserving than another person any thought that you have more of a right to a good thing, like grace or mercy, any thought that something is due to you, that you are owed something, any thought that you make more of an impact, any thought that you are, I wanna say, that you are more knowing, more knowledgeable, or more wise than another person, I think there's a very fine line between things being fact and then there being a realistic observation within your heart that it is possible for someone to know more than you, someone to be more wise than you, maybe not in everything, but in one particular thing. So there's a fine line there. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily inherently wrong in and of itself. Um, Anything that sets you up higher or more above than another person, specifically in the area of comparison, when you're comparing yourself to other people, I think it's very easy to find yourself in a prideful spot if you're not observant of that. And there's probably a whole long list of other ways that pride can sneak up, but these are just some of the ones I thought about really quickly. And I hope that it kind of helps you shed light on your own stuff in case like, you know, you're able to come up with something different. I had a very difficult home life and I wasn't very close with my dad. He was a very authoritarian figure. I had a second stepdad and he was a bit more fun, but he wasn't around for very long. And then my third stepdad is the one my mother stayed with the longest. Um, And As I encountered God, I believe I was in eighth grade transitioning into high school. And over the years, I learned to be very protective of my relationship with God as a father, even not truly knowing and understanding the extent of his goodness over me in that role. I... I had certain experiences that led me to want to preserve my intimacy with God. And uh, there was a season as a teenager 
where I was actively dealing with hatred for this person who also hated me. Uh, there was a there's literally a point in time where he openly said that he did not want to be my father, that he pitied any man who would want to be my father. And over the years, just like in that kind of climate and culture within the house, um, I grew to hate him. Uh, there And it wasn't just me, it was also like my siblings. But for me, there was a point in time where I couldn't even, I couldn't even look this man in the face. If we were in the car, the car would be radio silent. We did not talk to each other in the car. Um, if we were at a dinner table, like at a restaurant or something, we were not having a conversation with him. Um, if he was downstairs watching TV, we would not be downstairs. We would be in our rooms and vice versa. If we were in the living room watching TV, he would go to his room. Like there was, there was a lot. Um, and I even remember one time, this is kind of rewinding back to one of my first experiences with God, but there was a prophet that came to our church and, um, she was praying over our family. Uh, I, I can't remember the exact circumstances around why we were all at the altar at the same time, but we were. And this prophet, she looks at me and she's like, you have a really bad temper. You have a really bad temper and, and God wants to deal with you regarding that. And I'm, I'll never forget that. It, it really stuck with me because I felt like my anger most times was merited. I felt like my temper matched the situation that I was in. And I, you know, I was going through my stuff with God, but I was um, really, hmm. God was really challenging me to um, continue renewing myself and continue being transformed even within the context of the house so I feel like there was a a short season maybe where my relationship with my stepdad got to a point where we were kind of talking and so I said this to him I remember sitting with him across the um the table it was like a at a bakery around the corner from the church that we were at anyway um I was like why would God say that to me? Why, why would God point to my temper and my anger as being the problem? And why wouldn't he mention anything else? Like, specifically, I was confused. I was like, why isn't God pointing out what my stepdad is doing? Why isn't he, why isn't he revealing that to him? Why is it only me? Why are you only addressing me? And um, there were multiple times as a young teenager all the way up until I left high school where I just had this knowing that assuming that the rest of the world stays the same, assuming that the rest of the world stays short-sighted, and hard-hearted and angry and mean regardless of you know conflict that's initiated from other people 
I have to decide to manage myself and I have to decide to submit to God in every circumstance anyway. And I have to take responsibility for me. And that was a very, very challenging and very, very humbling process. But over time, I came to understand that uh, for every act of obedience and humility and submission and even honoring my parents and the role that they were in, all of that was sacred and considered worship to God. And I think he very deeply valued that, highly valued that. I, I don't know if my memory just sucks or if some of this stuff is just like blacked out from my mind, but I remember having a heated argument with my stepfather as a teenager. Um, he was on the recliner in the living room and I had retreated to my bedroom and I just stayed there and I started praying and I literally felt the Holy Spirit tell me, you need to go down there and apologize. And I was like, why? I'm not the one who was wrong. I didn't, I'm not the one who was wrong. Why do I have to apologize? And I feel like the Holy Spirit kind of nudged me to accept my role in the whole situation, to accept my part in it and apologize for what I did, because what I did could have been done better. So I felt bothered and I was crying with that. And I just, I went downstairs and I was like, fine, okay, fine. I'm going to do this. So again, it was a very tense atmosphere. So I stood in the foyer and I did not get very close to my stepdad. Like we were not in close proximity. It's almost like he's in one room, I'm in another. And I look at him and I was like, something like, I know that you don't understand or I know that you think what you think, but I'm sorry for what I did. I. I'm really sorry for what I did. And I I just remember saying that with tears in my eyes because it almost felt like having to apologize was some sort of punishment or like having to apologize was admitting that I was wrong. Like the whole thing was was my fault. I don't always feel like that, but I did at the time. And just thinking about that, I remember some moments where me and my siblings as kids, we would get into a heated argument. And one time it got so bad that my father, my biological dad, um, he stopped the whole thing. He's like, we're not doing anything. We're not leaving this room until you say you're sorry. And I was prepared to sit in that room, to sit in the closet the whole day and not say anything. I was perfectly content to do that. And to be honest, I don't even remember if I got around to apologizing that time, but I'm pretty sure I did because otherwise, how would I have left? <laughs> but um, it, I bring that story up because I almost feel like that is one thing that I sense truly um, mimics and mirrors the heart of God 
to me as a daughter and seeing him as a father is that I, I notice a lot more when God is telling me to apologize. And somewhat recently, I want to say within the last several months, I had a conversation with somebody and that other person made a decision that impacted me severely. And it was something, it was a decision that had like ripple effects. And it's something I had to deeply process. I had to, I had to try to foresee as much as possible um, because in the present situation, everything was very painful and very taxing and very trying and exhausting. And I was like, okay, um, if this happens, I need to mentally be prepared. I need to set my mind and think like this. I need to think that nothing's going to change. I need to think that this is going to be preserved. If I'm anticipating being in a very low spot, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to this place. If I'm alone for longer than I would like, I'm going to, you know, I just, I had plans on plans on plans um, to try to mitigate the effects that were happening inside me because of what was happening around me. So all that being said, I was having a conversation with this person and they were talking about how difficult it would be for them, how emotionally difficult it would be, how hard it would be. And I made a comment like, this is what you chose. This is what you chose for us moving forward. I said that. And it shocked me, number one, I'm pretty sure part, like just to be like completely transparent, I'm not usually um, snarky or quick-witted with any sort of comment. So it was definitely out of character in general. And I'm pretty sure I made that so swiftly just because I had just started a medication. Um, but I think that's part of it. Anyway, um, but afterward, um, the conversation ended abruptly because, like I said, out of character and very targeted statement. So... Um, I wrestled after that and I, of course, immediately started praying and I was like, God, I'm right. Like I had a right to say that. I had a right to say that it's true and it's valid and um, something about trying to empathize with this other person was upsetting me because this person made a choice and I didn't. I didn't get to choose my pain. This person chose their pain. I had a right to say what I said. And I kept going like over and over and over. I'm like, I, and I was talking to God. I'm like, you know what this has done to me. You know how this is for me. And, you know, I was just like kind of justifying myself. But I couldn't shake that weighty feeling of, I want to say conviction, but it was more so like guilt, like, oh no, like that was wrong. Like, even though I was right in my heart, I know I was wrong. I know that was wrong. Um, so I talked to my cousin, hoping that it'll make me feel better because she's like a ride or die kind of person that did not make the feeling go away. I try to talk to my mom. Um, and she is very, uh, just defensive in general of me, very protective of me. So that didn't make me feel any better either. 
And then so I finished having these conversations and I'm just like this, even though I know I'm right, I feel wrong. I, I really feel wrong. And I felt God was like, you need to apologize. And I was like, I don't want to apologize. And in this season, I have been um, just in general trying to create more boundaries to preserve my peace. Um, just so that I can spend more energy pouring out rather than just conserving myself over and over. Um, so I didn't feel like the Holy Spirit was telling me to hash everything out, pour out all my emotions and then apologize to this person. I literally felt like the Holy Spirit was like, you need to apologize to me because that was offensive to me. And I was like, God, I'm not sorry. I am not sorry at all. This person deserved it. And this person, you know, did this to me and, and I'm still in pain over it. And I'm still, you know, wrestling with this over and over. Like, I, this is, I'm not wrong. I'm not sorry. And that's how my prayer started. I was like, God, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. And these are all the reasons why. Um, and I feel like there was a part in explaining why that I realized that I was not being compassionate to this person's pain. And I was removing their right to feel what they felt because of what they did to me. So it kind of like shed a light on that a bit. And I put myself in that position again, obviously empathizing, but also knowing what it's, it's like to be on my end of things. And, and I, I literally, I was sitting at the table. I was looking at the wall, almost looking up at the ceiling. Cause I, I do tend to do that. And I said, God, forgive my hard heartedness and forgive my bitterness. Because for this particular thing, and in this particular way, I didn't realize that that was hard, hiding in my heart. I didn't realize that that was hiding in my heart. Because like I said, I'm the kind of person who is very observant. And I, you know, if I have to forgive daily, I will. If I have to shed light on something that's happening to bring it to the surface, wrestle with it emotionally, and then let it go, I will do that. And, but in this particular way, I feel like offense and bitterness and unforgiveness was hiding in there. So yeah, I was like, I didn't realize that. And I said, help me to forgive in a way that keeps no record of wrongs. And I said, show up for this person the way you show up for me. Um, and in saying that I had this mental picture of, of me going through my lowest moments of me in tears, of me in dark rooms, of me curled up on the floor, of me just alone and, and dealing with like a mountain of offenses over my, you know, over the last several years. So when I was saying show up for this person, like you show up for me. 
asking God to show up as a father and a friend and a comforter and a redeemer. Um, I just know that the Holy Spirit was a part of that process. And, and I share that because um, I think in my previous episode, I said to be wary of making apologies when you're not truly sorry. And I think that is true. I think that is worth being cautious about. But if you're truly and authentically allowing God to knead through the tensions of your heart and like wrestle and squeeze and put pressure on those points, um, can actually be very therapeutic, maybe even cathartic. Um, and that particular prayer, it started with an attitude. It started with entitlement and resentment um, and even apathy, I would say. But it ended with me in tears. It ended with me vulnerable. It ended with me sympathetic and empathetic. And, and in the end, um, I'd say closer to the Holy Spirit and more pleasing in character to him. So that was a recent example. I'm sure I'll have more coming up with that one. <laughs> um, another thing that happened recently was in a uh, group chat with my mom and my sister. And I don't, one of them shared this meme. It was like really, really funny. And I made a very inappropriate and kind of disrespectful joke with my mom and my sister. And after I did that, I felt immediately convicted. Like right after I was like, oh, goodness gracious, that was wrong. And then this swarm of thoughts came after, like, what would you do if that was you? What would you do if that was said of you? How would you feel? Like, you think you can be how you are because you're on this end of things. It's wrong either way. You're wrong. That was not okay. Um, and I felt bothered. Like, I want to say for the next 24 to 48 hours, I was like, God, forgive me. That was really rude and way out of character. I, yeah, and then that was like... And, and that's one of the things I'm talking about. It can, it can show up in big things and in small things. And that process of allowing God to, to point out the things that are happening in your heart without you even noticing. I feel like that is a very... I, I don't feel like people... I don't feel like people notice how easy it is to be misled and misguided um, by that stuff. Um, and then I think this is the last one. Um, I am a very introverted person. I have a very small, intimate, circle of friends and um the friends that i choose are people most oftentimes they're people that i feel safe with they are people that i feel known 
and fully understood by most of the time. Um, they're usually people that are steady and they have similar values and beliefs and worldviews as me. Um, but no one is perfect and people make mistakes. And there's a lot about my life that has complicated my relationships and made them uncomfortable and awkward. <laughs> um, so just to like name like a handful of stuff, just so that you know that I, I have the same feelings as you who might be listening on the other end of this. Um, there, there's been a handful of times where uh, if like someone's in the area, someone that I consider very close to me and they don't um, let me know, just let me know that they're around, it would hurt my heart a little bit. Um, I had this one friend um, who was going through a tough time with her own life and I was sharing some of my personal stuff and she couldn't understand me in light of her own struggles. She couldn't hear what I was saying. She couldn't hear what it was to live in my experience because she was kind of, you know, just like I said, seeing things from her perspective. Um, what else has happened? Uh, there's been some times where uh, people would come to me and they would ask me for advice. They would ask me for my opinion and they would completely ignore it and disregard it and do whatever they wanted to do in the end. Um, there have been times where I felt like my opinion and my voice was not valued. Like people are only coming to me to listen and nothing else. Let's see. I think that's pretty much it. I think the, the theme of most of my offenses is in not being known as a person and not being understood because I don't always consider myself to be the best talker. So usually stuff like that. I'm also very clingy at times and very attached. So uh, when I feel like people don't care, that can be a thing that hurts also. So I'm just sharing those examples so that you know it's not always like a big betrayal that hurts me. Sometimes it's very simple little tiny things. And um, one of the ways that the Holy Spirit helps me, but also one of the ways that I have learned to personally manage this also is to learn to release people from expectations. And I think there's a very huge caveat to this. There's a very important stipulation that has to be noted is that if you have good friends, if you have really, really good friends who gen genuinely love you, genuinely care about you, um, they have shown up for you in moments where you needed them. If they are relatively healthy and emotionally stable and emotionally available people, and if they believe in God, at least similar to the way that I do, most of the time I release them from expectations that I had, especially when my expectations were not clear and were not spoken. I think even in very tough times, you know, when you're going through a crisis or a hardship or something unimaginably painful and strenuous, um, 
There are some seasons when people can be there for you and other seasons when they can't. There are some seasons when they know to show up and other seasons when they don't. And everyone, you know, can get busy. Everyone has their own, yeah, you know, like their own lives, their own difficulties. So I think that's something that's very common in a, in a lot of different friendships is that people, they don't like the feeling of being there for other people and other people not being there for them. And I can honestly say that for every circumstances I every circumstance I've encountered on my own everyone that I've heard about like from a friend or from you know my sister I remember her mentioning this at one time um, what I've done is to release people from those expectations and make sure that every time I am offering something offering time offering service offering love offering comfort I am doing it from a very whole secure and complete place so that I do not feel like the other person owes me from this point forward. And that's a discipline and a practice that I feel is lost for most common, normal people. They think that in every single case, with every single relationship, there is always a give and a take. And in my perspective, and I feel it is more realistic and more emotionally healthy is just knowing that sometimes people are there and sometimes they're not. Sometimes they can be there, sometimes they can't. Um, so I, I don't know why I felt like going in depth with that one, but uh, just sharing a bit of logic with that one. And then uh, I have mentioned this in several episodes before, the, the overall choice to remain tenderhearted for me I feel like managing my emotions has become a necessary part of that process um, because I get sad like other people get sad. I get mad like other people get mad. I feel rage sometimes like other people I'm sure feel rage, um, disappointment, rejection, bitterness, apathy. I feel all those things like everyone else, pain. But I do not let those feelings stay too long. Um, specifically anger in me. I, I can get, there are very few things I feel rage about. Most times I feel rage in defense of another person. I feel like I have to defend and protect. Um, and my siblings know that probably more than anybody else. Like my, I am very, very protective. And one of the few occasions where I feel rage is usually like out of wanting to protect someone else or wanting to defend someone else. I get enraged when... Uh, like I mentioned before, when I feel like someone does not know me, does not know my heart, does not know my intention, um, anything that I feel like when, for example, when people misread my character, that I, I have this very unique opportunity in what they say to see how they see me through their eyes. Uh, and sometimes that very much bothers me. <laughs> um, 
And so when I'm managing emotions, especially like anger, I don't let them stay long. And I try to choose to be tenderhearted and soft-hearted. I have to make that choice in advance because if I don't, then my feelings will just carry me away. Um, and, and I always have to invite God into that process. There's, there's very few instances when I can get out of stuff on my own, especially regarding pain. Um, I think, I don't necessarily think that any emotion is wrong. I do think that emotions can lead you the wrong way. Um, for me, the one that is hardest to get out of is pain. And because I don't think there's a right way to go about it, I think when you feel pain, you feel pain. You have to embrace it. You have to feel it. You have to deal with it. You have to accept the reality around your pain. You have to find a way to wrestle through it and move forward and find hope for the future. And, and at the very least, if you can't envision the future, then you need to hold on tightly to God for dear life. And I think that that is a very relatable circumstance for some people. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much like all my story time stuff. Um, everything that I could come up with on the spot. So I hope that it helped. I hope that you see me as a more relatable person after this. I hope you feel like growth is more achievable. And I hope this encourages you to see the different ways that God can show up for you as you're trying to go grow in your personal growth journey, as you're trying to be better. And yeah, so I love you guys so much. Thank you so, so much for sticking with me. If you made it this long, you are an MVP. You are a champion. Okay, see you guys in the next one.